Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to another week of Chasing Fritz. My name is Jason Shadrick from Premier Guitar. And I'm Andy Ellis. And uh, we're going to wrap up our week with Steve here with an interesting look uh, at his latest EP called Point of No Return. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seemed like I kind of had one idea going into this talk about him, going to talk to him about this record, and I kind of came away with a whole new idea of how to listen to this this EP. Yeah, and... What's interesting to me, what came out of this this conversation we had, is that Steve's been recording music for a long time and with many different people, a lot of heavyweights. He's played on stage a lot too, live, but he's been in the studio a lot. And he has the perspective of decades of watching approaching uh, approaches to technology change and approaches to musical styles change. And he shared a lot of that perspective with us. And as it turns out, I won't give this away, but as it turns out, Point of No Return is based on two different forms of musical expression, one that's live on stage and one that's created in the studio. And he'll tell us all about it. Mm-hmm. And interesting thing to me uh, that Steve brought up is how involved uh, his son was not only on the production because they were kind of making this a DIY thing but how even though his son does play in the band that's featured on the recording how his fingerprints his production fingerprints are all throughout this and he even alluded to some things that I did not know about this song about its arrangement and and how even the studio version um, differed from what the people in the room heard in the room that night. Yep. So, all right, we're going to dig into this final episode with Steve, uh, Steve Kimmock, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Thanks again. All right, everybody, we're back again with Steve Kimmock. How are you doing, Steve? I'm not unwell, thank you. <laughs> it's been, uh, I got to say, it's been such a joy having you, talking to you, nerding out on guitar stuff. Uh, with you. And the focus of today's episode is going to be kind of around the story behind your new EP, Point of No Return, which uh, is taken from a live gig last year, pre-pandemic times. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about about this piece and how you kind of divvied it up into three different suites? Okay. Um, first of all, the, the, um, the basic idea with the piece, right, and I kind of enjoy I kind of enjoy playing it because I have to show it to the band. You know, it's like, let's play this, and they're like, "Well, what do I play?" You know, is there a chart or something like that? And I said, "No, there's kind of a melody," and 
if you needed it to, um, you know, tonicize somewhere, G is nice. But I think the idea is that it's supposed to be pan-diatonic. And ideally, every note in, you know, every note in two sharps should be there. You know, it should be some kind of all the time something. Like if you're playing G and you're playing B minor and you're playing D and you're playing A or whatever, as long as it's all going at once, I'm happy. You know, and if it kind of like everybody lands on A for a minute, great. They land on B minor. And that was the idea was that it was supposed to just sort of like flop around and occasionally tonicize somewhere, but mostly G. So anyway, so it's me and my son, John, on the drums. Um, Reed Mathis who may be one of the most musical people working anywhere. I mean, he's a dude that could, such a genius. It's ridiculous. And Jeff Comenti on the keys, uh, who I, I, I would be impossible to say enough good stuff about. He's such a wonderful player. So it's those guys with, that's the setup. <laughs> Let's play whatever you want. And if it goes somewhere, that's where it goes. So I played the gig. It was at the Sweetwater in Mill Valley, California, which is somehow one of those Bob Weir kind of places he shows up occasionally, but he's not on this recording. We got to tape, and it was, I think it was the first song we played one night. It just was a good recording. And my son, John, because he's of that generation that can put stuff on a timeline on a computer, he just put it on a timeline and went, I like this part of this, and I like this part of this, and I like this part of this. It started moving stuff around, right? So... Uh, if, if there's, you know, if, if there's a, a story to the tune at all, it's just that pentatonic melody in some kind of pan-diatonic frame that got my son John in a sort of production treatment after the fact, because he's really good at that stuff. And everything that he does just sounds great to me. And he picks out neat stuff. And, you know, he just took it as a sort of, it's just like found that material and assembled. So that's what that is. It's so interesting when you talk about found material. You know, you guys improvised this piece of music in this room on this specific night. And it seems like it was not only was art being made on stage that night, but your son is kind of, you know, creating his own art by taking this this material and kind of rearranging it. Yeah, exactly. And and and, and um his process is just fascinating to me. We we've we've done a, a, a bunch of stuff together where it's just like there's a, a new way that people are recording. Again, I'm the old guy. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 65. When I got into recording, the idea was you're supposed to rehearse a band and you get the thing really tight and you go into the studio and time is money and you got to get all the sounds and bloody, bloody, bloody. And it's just not true anymore. It's nothing like that anymore. You, you don't need a band. You don't need a studio. You don't need sounds. You don't need parts. You just like everything John does that you know he'll find a sound he'll find a lick somewhere or there's one bit that we did just before where he took a harmonic a pedal you know a steel guitar harmonic harmonized it with itself and created this phrase out of it that i mean it sounded like weather report to me it sounded like zowl i was like where where where'd you get that just i just took one of your harmonics and pitch shifted (laughs) right but but literally anything on the tape is just holding a place for you know, some other sound uh, to go on there, you know, and uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's really neat. So this is John finding a gig and going, okay, that's nice. But this, but none of the actual content is, uh, there's nothing sacred about it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's just it's just there to push around, and and then that's the you know that's there. So yeah, yeah, you're 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 absolutely correct. I wonder how much we have Brian Eno to thank about changing that concept. You know, you were talking about a band that rehearses and we go in and, you know, well, we have the Beatles to thank about that too at the end of of their run. But I sort of came into the music concrete idea by way of Brian Eno, I think. I think he was the doorway to sound as a malleable, you, you make a sound on your instrument and then you make music from that kind of idea does does that ring a bell to you at all yeah i th- i think once we had gotten to the idea of tape you know that uh, it was inevitable that people were going to manipulate tape i mean i did as a um you know as a as a you know as as a teen you know did stuff not that different than Johnny does on the computer today, which is many. I just like, I take the microphones on my reel to reel machine. And it was like something that I got from my mom's school, probably like a wall and sack or something. But it, yeah, I had one. It had sound on sound. And I'd stick the microphones out the window in the morning and I'd get the birds and occasionally a car would go by or a door would slam. And I just let the reels roll, you know, at like six thirty, you know, and then put the, Next morning, you know, I said it'd be like Monday, Tuesday, and I just and then I'd play, but I'd get like the auto harp. I took the bars off the auto harp and I'd tune it to a scale or to a melody that I like, and then I'd sit across the room and throw shit at it, you know, change tools, you know, and then I'd get a couple of days worth of auto harp going, a couple of days, you know, and then speed it up or slow it down. How has your son's production process seeing him take something? that you and him and other people have created in the moment and reconstructed it. How has that influenced you? It's certainly humbling, but I mean, I, I, I'm at the, I'm at the point where I see what's going on now, how people are recording and the results they're, they're getting. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, at, I'm at a total loss. You know, I, I, I don't, um, you know what I mean? I literally know nothing. If you sent me, I mean, at this point, you know, I'll probably never, probably never see the in, never see the inside of a, a, you know, like the old school studio again. It's just, it's, it's, it's so unnecessary, but there was a, there was a point, you know, like, you know, back when I was working on the zero stuff, it, you know, um, at the record plant in Sausalito and stuff like that, where I knew how to run, the, you know, um, the Neve automation. It, I, I could run, you know, I could work in a, 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 an old room. I can't barely work a computer and I don't feel like it necessarily. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, I would really rather play the dobro, you know, than learn Pro Tools. I'll let somebody else do the Pro Tools thing, you know, and I'll play the dobro. Um, so, be, you know, I mean, I'll, I, I, I think I just got, I think I just got outmoded or just, you know, kind of pushed out of the picture on, on, on some kind of engineering and, and, and production levels by the evolution of the tools, you know, old dog, new tricks kind of thing. I'd rather play music. Thank you. So, uh, going ahead, looking forward now, Steve. What do you have uh, coming up on your schedule as far as projects and whatnot? I am working on um, some stuff. Is me and Johnny are, are are trying to figure out how to do a, a whole new record here um, at the barn, which which we're um, which we're just about uh, to begin. Um, I have a giant 
pile of tunes waiting for me to uh, put parts on as I figure out how to do this remote recording thing where, you know, sending tracks back and forth. And like I just, like I just said, man, this is something that I need a lot of help with, you know, or, or learn to figure it out, whatever. But people are sending me a lot of material to work on, and I'm just now kind of relearning how to uh, work on it, you know, courtesy of the, of the pandemic. I mean, my thing for so many years now has just been, you know, getting the gear and getting the guys and putting it in a truck and putting it on a road, and putting some masses and seats and playing the gig. And that's it, you know. That's the bread and butter. Got nothing to do with recording. I couldn't afford to record it. Um, and now I can't afford not to. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> well, you yeah. got John though, so that's good. <laughs> Eventually, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be okay. But when you're asking me, like, how do I do? You know, what's you know, like what's coming up? It's like, wow, what's coming up for Steve is an ass kicking, you know, <laughs> on, on a production level. Because I'm I'm back to square one. Yeah. It's fine. Well, Steve, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us this week and and, and everything. Okay. And uh, hope uh, make sure people go out and check out and go kimok.com to check out your website and everything, the new EP and everything else that you and uh, your son are cooking up in the barn there. I love it. All Thank right. you. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.